Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Big Chill Podcast, Episode 4, The Harding Situation. All right, boys, so we're back at it again. How are we all doing? I mean, I can tell you I had a rough Tuesday with my bet. My hockey bet is officially done and a sweep already. And then to make matters worse, an hour later, I smashed my iPhone. So I'm down in the dumps from that. Uh, how are you guys doing? Sam, how's it going? All the better for hearing of your scenario. Well, <laughs> but yeah, doing pretty good. Good news about Arsenal. Looks like Yang's going to sign a contract. So I'm pretty happy about that. I think it sets Arsenal up for a couple of years despite all the redundancies. Eddie, all good in Paris? Eddie, you can respond any time now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm having, a, I'm having a good week. I'm definitely not as bad of a week as Frank's, but, you know, I, Frank is, you got to give Frank credit because his hockey pick in, I mean, that was episode one, right, where he gave those hockey picks? Yeah. It's, it's like so. some of the first listener feedback that we've had is just talking about how bad his hockey picks were. So how many, how many picks have you given? What's your, like, over these, like, what is this, a fourth podcast? No, so I just gave a fourfold of the, of the play-in playoffs, the ones that I'm most confident in. And the first one, the New York Rangers got swept. And that was the one you were most confident about, right? I was pretty confident. I mean, the Rangers had beat them I think three or four games in a regular season they hadn't lost them in a regular season and they were playing really well right before the whole COVID thing so I thought they'd come back you know ready to go and have that confidence but they looked just terrible I mean they, they played awful so that wasn't a good one <laughs> well at least you can things can only get better for your tips right so yeah well the other three are still in it but the pens are actually down 2-1 to the Canadians which is pretty surprising i don't think many people would have picked the canadians uh basically everything rests on the maple leafs for me right now because i I also have them to win wait 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 wait, wait. you don't salvage your reputation if one of these teams makes it to the next round (laughs) no but if three out of four make it then at least that somewhat salvages it yeah three out of four i mean i don't even know i don't even know enough about the nhl to know whether they were all the favorite were they all favorites they, they were all slightly favorites. The most favorite was probably the Pens, and they're actually down 2-1. And the other two are both winning? Uh, the Leafs are 1-1 in the series, and I don't know if I remember the other. Oh, no, actually, the Oilers are down 2-1 as well. <laughs> okay, so, so, you've <laughs> so got, no, none of them are winning their series. <laughs> no. Although the Oilers, if I had to suggest you guys to watch a game, Oilers-Blackhawks have been awesome so far. Like, at least seven goals a game. Good talent. I mean, you have, like, Kane and Taze are two of the best players, and then McDavid is the best player in the league. He scored a hat trick, which is pretty awesome. We got to see the NHL throw out four hats. They had it all planned out if someone scored. If my chronic insomnia comes back, I'll I'll make sure to tune in for for that game. That will be a good one because the Oilers have to win. So McDavid's going to probably play his ass off and he's been on fire. I think he's got five goals and like three assists in three games. So that's pretty good. Who are they against? Sorry. They're against the Blackhawks. Okay. I'm going Blackhawks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for the support. (laughs) No, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, we might, we might give our listeners, like maybe people will figure out that all they need to do is 
is do the anti-Frank and they might be incredibly profitable. Yeah. And then we could also bring in the, we could introduce them to the Duca curse. Oh, we get the Duca curse. We got to save for, <laughs> save for, save, save for, some for, time for when I really screw Eddie over. <laughs> no, not just when you screw me over, but when you really have brought a curse upon a team, that's when we, that's when we'll really be able to introduce our listeners to the concept of the Duca curse. Oh, wait, so we well, don't get, even get like a sneak peek now? Well, put it this way. The Duke of Curse is just basically imagine that you want a team to win or you have bet on a team to win. Then imagine Frank saying something positive about them and basically the worst possible thing happening to them immediately. Players' careers have been ended by the Duke of Curse, and I'm not even joking there. Let's put it this way. Horses are no longer alive because of the Duke of Curse. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's been a, a really good one comes to mind. There was a horse named Franklin D, who I always used to bet because of the name. And then it ended up winning, I think, one of the major Ascot handicaps or Goodwood handicaps, one of the ones. And I bet on it at one. I remember telling Eddie, like, oh, this horse, I'm going to bet this horse every time now. It, it's been winning, it's been winning. And then a month later, it <laughs> died in training. <laughs> it almost sounded like you made it happen. <laughs> yeah, he might be. I mean, it would be the only thing that would confidently explain exactly what's going on with the Duke of Curse is if Frank is intentionally going out and murdering people or breaking kneecaps or doing something. And the other part of the Duke of Curse is the reverse aspect. So for instance, I was in Toronto for four years and none of their teams ever did anything. And then the year I left, the Raptors win the NBA championship. So there's always like, once the curse is relieved, the pressure on these teams must, you know, must just melt away. Oh yeah, for sure. No, it is true. It's actually one of those things, like wherever Frank has moved, those teams have become much worse. And whenever he's left, they've become instantly better. Except and the Coyotes felt, are up 2-1 right now in their series. So Didn't they fire know. their GM? That's one of the few pieces of uh, NHL news I think I saw. <laughs> so they, yeah. And they hired but, this, like, the youngest NHL GM in history, and then they just didn't, they, like, didn't invite him to the, to, to the bubble or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they also had a new owner. It's, I think, the first uh, minority owner or Latino owner. So that was encouraging. So we're, we're, we're diverse here, at least. And yeah, super diverse. Everyone knows that uh, <laughs> Arizona is always very welcoming to immigrants. <laughs> Parts. <laughs> yeah, it's never been an issue in Arizona, ever. Such a good sweeping statement. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, the betting, betting trend continues for Frank, right? What was it, over 1.5 Leverkusen Rangers? Oh, yeah. So I, I decided to make up for it this morning and, and do a little PGA championship bet. And I took uh, Kepka and Thomas and split it between a few of the Europa and Champions League. And it instantly lost in the first Europa League game <laughs> over one and a half. Did not happen. Which, which actually takes talent because picking a Europa League game that has under two goals is normally is a challenge is difficult i know i i really figured at least two goals shouldn't be that difficult either uh whatever the german team scores like two or three because they beat up on him pretty I mean, good the first round he's so knowledgeable about this topic sam it's it's impossible to no see it's, it's not that i don't know who it wait, is wait, i don't uh, want to say the name whatever i don't want to say team. the name 
Why? I know I can't say it. <laughs> but there's numbers in there. That's so easy. <laughs> Do you mean, I think it's pronounced Rangers in German. <laughs> Is that the team you're talking about? Because <laughs> everyone knows Leverkusen are the Scottish. I think they're just outside of Aberdeen. <laughs> Leverkusen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would have not. I would have butchered Leverkusen. What would you have said? Leverkusen. Leverkinson by your, by your <laughs> later hosen <laughs> yeah one of those I did say wolves were a lock right one the up yeah you did you <laughs> yes it's true you did talk of them as if they had already qualified for the next round and, and i guess you'll probably be right but yeah inconvenient that's, exci- right. that's this is the real excitement for our listeners is that a number of events sporting events are going on live as we are recording this it's, episode it's mega it's absolutely mega but then again Olympiacos turned Arsenal over, didn't they, in the previous round or previous round yeah. before that by scoring late. Mm. So I mean, few things are more more exciting than recording a podcast while Europa League matches are being played and the first <laughs> round of the of, of a golfing major is being played. It's, I've and never hockey. been so excited. <laughs> Actually, got a good um, got a good quick question for you guys. So in the Champions League, right? I did a little bit of like fact finding and all that. German sides versus London sides in the Champions League this season. Guess what the score is. So you've got German sides versus London sides. What's the combined score of all the games? Well, it's going to be a huge because because Bayern spanked uh who they play in the group stages spurs in the group stages mm-hmm. yep didn't I'll they say 12 them? 12 to 3 i'll 12 guess to 3 i'll guess um wait, this is specifically in the champions league or the two yeah. champions league only i think it was if i remember right i think it was six games i'll go 28 to seven. 28 goals i mean if i told you that one of the games was 7-2 you would probably start thinking high. So it's 17-3. All right. So Ooh, I think it I was Bayern 7-2. I think that was a 3-0 return bank. leg. I think it was Who knows their German leg. teams now? <laughs> what, just because it's called German side, you now know what the German team's called. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I saw that and I was like, wow, pretty, pretty impressive actually. How badly, because it was, so it's Bayern done most of the damage, but it was also Leipzig did the damage against Spurs as well. So, yeah, fun fact, fun fact. Next. That's, uh, yeah, that's one I'll never forget now. Yeah. Until the next game they play each other and it changes. Well, yeah, they got by in Chelsea. So, to be honest, it's probably only going to get worse, right? And Eddie might be right after that match. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just predicting the future. That's where my skills really, really come to the fore. What would, would, what would that score have to be? That would make for us 11-5 game. You heard it here Book first. It. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I won't lie, I'm laying that. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, that's, okay. that's, that's a bold lay. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I could get some good, good odds on Betfair for that. The exchange will favor me on the 11-5. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the rule is once you say a bet, now you kind of have to bet it because what happens when it hits and you could literally be a millionaire tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow because they don't play until yeah. later, but still <laughs> in the near future, you could be a millionaire. Wow. Frank is, is just really on top of things here. He is blowing us away. His NHL knowledge, his, his knowledge of the days of the week. He's got everything down here. 
Today is Thursday. And, and speaking of Thursdays, I guess, and we've already mentioned that it is the opening day of the first major of the golfing season. The major that normally isn't the first major, but now is, which is kind of interesting because normally it's the sort of least, least significant major on the golfing calendar. But because of this, now it's kind of got more interest than I think it normally would. It's usually Play last, on... right? Uh, the yes. last one? Is it? Is it, last? Is, is it the players that's lost? To be honest with you, I, I can't. I, I mean, the U.S. Open is the first normally, isn't it? And then you then usually the have, you have the you have the Open. No, the Masters is yeah, Masters is in in March, or August, April. You have the U.S. Open, which is normally uh, end of June hmm. or mid mid June, I guess. And then you have the Open, which is normally in July. Yeah, yeah. I always thought it was the players that was last, but. I mean, how's it? So it's live at the moment as we're recording. How's it looking for your your picks? You know, keeping keeping on top of it. What you said last week. Well, Kepka's off to a good start. So Kepka is four under. So the leader at the moment is Jason Day, who's five under. And uh, but Kepka started well. Uh, Shofle started well. Uh, John Rahm's been off to a good start, but yeah, it's. Uh, Instant Duke like, curse of Justin Thomas. Yeah, Justin Thomas not is doing nowhere. that well. <laughs> Justin Thomas probably isn't going to make the cut. He's so two over now. Yeah, two <laughs> over. Where in a situation where the leader is five under, it's not a not a great look for him. Good, good thing I hedged that bet with Kepka, only to have it lose in the first leg. <laughs> well, just think of the great odds you'd get on Justin Thomas now. You, you got to double down. Up. But no, it's so Eddie, why why do we call this episode the Harding episode? Okay, so as they're playing at TPC Harding, and uh, Harding is is maybe one of the lesser known U.S. presidents of the 20th century. I think most That's people don't. Yeah, I know. It, it, this one's really gonna pack. The listeners are gonna learn so much from this episode. But obviously, Harding uh, was from Ohio, so it's kind of confusing for the fact that there is a golf course named after him in in San Francisco. But that came about because he was an avid golfer and he died uh, in a hotel in San Francisco around the period when this golf course was opened. He's generally regarded by historians as being the worst U.S. president in history. I guess <laughs> he's probably disappointed to know that he might lose that title. <laughs> so, what's, what's the metric? What, what, what's the metric for saying that someone's bad? Um. I mean, would we need a metric to decide that Trump isn't great? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I guess because we live in the moment with Trump, like you can see on a daily level what makes Trump bad. Like so the I, rhetoric, I think, Hard everything. I think Harding's administration was plagued by uh, scandals, various scandals of different sorts. He was also obviously only a one-term president who died in office, so... Not great in terms of achieving things. Yeah, the, and the he was pretty actually... much he was he was very fairly unprogressive. I'm not a Harding expert, obviously, so <laughs> it's a little bit difficult for me to break this one down. This is, but this I, is actually was... pretty interesting, Eddie, because I was reading about the course, and apparently the course had gotten so bad. I don't know if you're going to mention this in like the early 1990s that it was actually like a parking lot for the for another U S open tournament that was played like next to it, it had completely deteriorated. 
like Harding as president, apparently. Yeah, it's a fitting <laughs> but tribute. But then they renovated his... it. <laughs> but no, um, I think, yeah, he was, he was plagued by scandal. I think he was also sort of unfairly unprogressive. He didn't want the U.S. because he's always he's post-World War I president. He didn't want the U.S. to be involved in the League of Nations. Just a series of things that don't make him look great. But that brings me on to a few uh, fun facts about Harding, just to test your oh knowledge of... of uh, the excitement. I heard your like voice inflicts upwards there. Oh, like, I mean, oh, what a fantastic way to go into my Warren <laughs> Yeah, so let's see. So, um, All right, let's do this. So I've got a, we'll do a, just first, first person to answer these ones. So uh, one, of, one, of the, one of the few things that Warren Harding is maybe well known for is the fact that he had a series of affairs and uh, one of his mistresses had to be paid off before he became president of the United States to try and keep her quiet. But 50 years after his presidency, all of those uh, letters to his mistress were made public and put into the Library of Congress. In them to try and protect his uh, sort of secret affair, he referred to his penis by a nickname. His, his nickname for his penis was the same as a nickname as a as a, a famous cartoon mouse. Mickey. Th- he called his penis Mickey. <laughs> he did not. Not not Mickey. Another famous cartoon mouse. Wait, 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 wait. This for clarification, is, this is... did, did he name it after the cartoon character or the cartoon character happened to be named after Harding's penis? Well, I don't think there's any connection between the names of the two. I don't think that whoever but... created this, this particular cartoon character was just a really big Harding sort of fan. It was like, <laughs> when, I, when I create a cartoon, one of these characters is going to be named after Harding. Is it Bible? It is not Fievel. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, what? Fievel goes was, west. That's one yeah, of the that best movies fame. ever. Yeah, whenever, whenever he would hit on a woman, he would, he would always say that to her. <laughs> See, that's the <laughs> and problem. It's a though. I can't name, think, I think of post World War One mice mouses because well, I was thinking is, like I, Danger I, Mouse. I, well, that would be another good one. <laughs> I don't. My guess is that he uh, is it Tom, I, I, like Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Well, that would if be only a good Tom. Would, is Tom the mouse in Tom and Jerry? I don't know. No, Jerry's the mouse. So did he... Okay, there we go. Did he call his penis Jerry? He did call his penis Jerry. Okay. I would encourage everyone to read the letters because the usage... He, the way he speaks about Jerry in this kind of weird third person and the ways that Jerry wants to interact with his, with his mistress. It's a real exposure to like 1920s sexting. It's, it's quite bizarre. 1920 sexting. To use one of my favorite English quotes that Eddie has taught me, we have completely lost the plot of this episode. <laughs> no, or, <laughs> this wait, is, that's the, or not, maybe, is that not a plot? Is that not a US saying? Or, no, that's not an American expression. No, but maybe right. now we get to, you know, we've been focusing on sports too much. Maybe instead we need to switch focus and our niche is going to be presidential genitalia. Obscure presidential genitalia facts. Wait, exactly. Very obscure. specific. Obscure. Not even normal. Obscure. <laughs> yeah, like obscure. Yeah, I mean, I think you could maybe argue that only may only two, maybe three presidents have any non-obscure genitalia facts. Go on. I see. Well, Trump, Clinton, and I guess JFK. Kennedy. I think, yeah. I think with the exception of those, it would become obscure. Now I've got I've got another question for you. Harding. This one has been an interesting one because I saw 
information on different from different sources that was is, I'm not sure how reliable this particular fact is. But supposedly Harding had size 14 feet. Really? Yeah. One other president in history is listed as having oh. had size 14 feet. Which U.S. president was it? Is this a follow-up to the Jerry? Yeah. <laughs> is this indirectly related to Jerry? Is this I mean, I guess, I guess maybe that's why he was so proud of Jerry, but... Um, Jerry and, had big and, shoes and, to you fill. know, coming into this, Sam did not realize that his size queen nature was going to get him so excited <laughs> about Harding. I'm going to go for someone ridiculous like Lincoln. Lincoln is Lincoln's correct. not a bad guess because he's no, tall. No, Lincoln's correct. I mean, it's not nice. Lincoln was tall and Lincoln had size 14 feet, supposedly. That must have looked, yeah. you must have looked like an absolute clown back then. I mean, no matter what, I think Lincoln was like 6'7", wasn't he? He's, yeah, he, he's an odd looking man. Yeah, and he was also a vampire slayer. <laughs> he also supposedly had a really movie? high, he also, yeah, he also supposedly had a really high pitched voice. Really? You don't hear that? Wait, hear that? Like, there's not yeah, many no. recorded moments, but... No, unfortunately, really no. But yeah, no, supposedly he had a very high-pitched and bizarre voice. That was probably just one bizarre. guy who really hated him that just really yeah. spread that rumor yeah. along. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just a few Democrats just, at the time. Just be like, you seen that freak Lincoln with a high-pitched voice? No way he could be president. And the big feet. Look at him. God. <laughs> they just and, pumped helium into his office all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and then this will bring us on to our final uh, Harding-related fact. So Harding, as I said, was one of the few things he was well-known for was being a passionate golfer, and he also loved the outdoors. And so looking back through history, which U.S. golfer, I believe there have been 21 U.S. presidents who have played golf, which of them has had the lowest handicap? So you're saying what president has the lowest handicap? Yeah, at any point okay. in their lives. I, 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 can't I mean, the obvious say. one, I think, to guess would be Obama because he gets mocked by Republicans for how often he golfed. Vice versa at the moment. It's um, definitely not Trump. He, well, if, if it's what Trump says it is, then it's probably Trump. But who knows <laughs> what it actually is. Um, any guesses? So who are you going uh, well, for then, Frank? Frank's I would say Obama. Obama. Sam? I'm going to go someone like... Go Lincoln again. <laughs> oh, man. That guy would have had to have custom clubs. I don't think... I don't think... <laughs> uh, the, I'm going to go... Course. I'm going to go for someone strange like Ford. Interesting choice. It is Trump. Trump? What's his <laughs> handicap? 2.1 or something like that, I believe. No, there is no way his handicap is 2.1. He's got a weird golf swing as well. He goes really there is forward no way. into his... A weird like, golf swing? He, he is one of the grossest humans alive. Do you ever see him? There's yeah, no I'm, way. I'm just talking no, about his golf him. swing. I, yeah. I have never seen what, There's no way that body has a no, two no, no. handicap. Eddie, There's Eddie, no way. Eddie, I'm pretty sure I saw him in that Home Alone film. Like, that's oh, oh yeah Trump. oh wait macaulay yeah. culkin turned into donald trump <laughs> you never watched the apprentice 
That explains where Macaulay Culkin went. I always wondered what happened to him, and now it seems he transformed into President of the United States. He does have a weird golf swing, though, because as he swings around, he really kind of pushes his like. It's it's not a pretty swing. Chest out forward. It's he a really have a lot of, swing. He doesn't have a lot of power. I don't know how much I would trust his scorekeeping, but seemingly no he, way. he hits it straight. There is no way. I. And this is nothing political. Like, the, like this is purely for the fact that if you were to put this, put oh, him everyone in front should of know. me Frank, and say, Frank what? Is a, Frank's a huge Trump supporter. The only thing he doesn't yeah, like about great. him is his golf game. <laughs> great. If Trump yeah. only had a better golf swing, I would vote for him. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's some <laughs> video going right on now. at the moment and he's got a MAGA hat on. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's no way he's a two handicap. No way. If he's a two handicap, I am... What, what can you be like negative 20? Okay, that's a bad start. <laughs> that's a bad start. Okay. That surprises me though. Like, because, I mean, what, what he owns, what is it like Turnbury up in Scotland? And I remember hearing apparently like secretly he was trying to get like the UK government to convince like the Department of Sport or whatever to make them have the US, uh, the US Open, the Open at Turnbury. So everyone knows he's a golfer, but that surprises me. That really surprises me. That's no, He plays a lot of that. golf. You'd think he would, you know, the big key to having a low handicap is playing a lot and he well, plays a, a lot. It's a good thing. He doesn't have a very sure. important job at the moment. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could argue keeping him on the golf course is for the best. So what would, what would a two handicap like relate to? Like, what is he shooting on a normal day then? It means he's consistently shooting in the 70s. No. No way. You know, he's also means... like 70 years old. Uh, he's older he's... than that, isn't he? 76, 77, something like that? He's yeah. actually three under in the golf at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he would like, win the he's open. Like, oh, I, I can't wait till he transforms into like King John un and he's suddenly like, oh, <laughs> President Donald Trump with a 19 under round in the opening round of the US Open. Sadly none, of our, sadly, none of our television cameras picked it up, but we, we do know that he definitely did shoot 19 under. Did, did you ever see the videos of uh, Putin playing hockey that came out like oh, last yeah. year? Yeah, Those when, are pretty when good people too. are just like letting him skate round. Yeah, and, and he's, he keeps saying how oh, he's a really good player. And then you see the video and he can barely skate. He has this terrible shot and the goalie just misses. And then he, he skates over the, uh, yeah, the carpet. Yeah, trips. trips over the carpet that gets laid down at the end of the game. And all those people who rolled it are now dead. Wait, <laughs> wow. Wait when was this? I've not seen this video. Oh, just just Google um, Putin hockey, and you'll see this video of him playing. And I think he's supposed to be playing against like ex pros and stuff. Yeah, and it's just him very slowly skating with the puck. It looks like if you put me in a hockey game, honestly, I think that would be a probably what I would look like. Which, can you skate at all? Can you skate at all? I can skate forwards. I can't skate backwards. Okay. I mean, he he could skate. But not, I mean, not to the level of a competitive hockey game. I mean, I can skate, I can skate forwards pretty quickly. I can't stop. Pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. I can't, I can't stop. 
Again, so, start. <laughs> you let you let the board or whatever the kind of round area. Yeah, yeah. Typically, <laughs> you typically, just smack into that, right? Typically, the side of the rink is the only thing stopping me. What do you define as pretty quickly? Do you so think you could be? Do you think you could beat Putin in a straight line? Based on this, yes, I would put myself as a heavy, heavy favorite. Can you wow. skate faster than you can run? Yes. Really? Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of momentum with ice, though, right? <laughs> like, even if Eddie got yeah. to like a, a maximum velocity, he's going to keep going at that velocity. You, you right? have to remember, friends, that in my <laughs> In my life of having made very bizarre and poor purchases, which, I mean, will continue for the remainder of my life. One of the more bizarre things I've ever spent money on was a pair of land rollers, which were roller, roller blades that have like the, the, they're in line in the sense that they're on the outside of your skate, but then they angle in so they're directly underneath you. And the back one, the back, uh, Wait, wheel what? Is, wait, yeah. wait, 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 what? This, so the, this the, the two terrible. wheels, the two wheels are positioned on the outside of your foot, but then they're angled. They're it's just much two more, wheels. I think there's only two, yeah. And then they're much larger, and so then they're angled in underneath you. So they are still the center of gravity is still underneath your foot, and then the back one is extremely big, and what it allows you to do is basically rollerblade on or roller skate, I guess, on any surface. Like you can go over grass, you can go on sand, you can do all sand. sorts of things on them. Yeah. The reason why I bought a pair of these was because the dog whisperer always wore them. That's when he, whenever he'd go skating with his dogs. And at the time I was watching a lot of episodes of the dog whisperer and I decided that I needed a pair, even though I didn't really skate. And so I, I, I have, I have since looked these up, and I know what you're talking about, and I have lost a tremendous amount of was, respect for was, you. Not Eddie, only for the fact Eddie, that you Eddie, bought these, everything... but that you use these on a yeah. regular basis. No, no, no. We... Regular basis would be extreme. That being said, I buying them was then a real hassle because I was living in Paris, and they didn't. The company only shipped in the U.S. So I had to I had to pay an extremely large amount of money to get them to Paris. It was a very poor purchase on my part. What was your mental state like at the moment uh, uh, during the this? Moment. Because no, 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 not the moment. Like at this time, what was your mental state like? Because you're sat in Paris buying these skates whilst watching tons of the dog whisper. It just it just doesn't seem like you. It sounds like something's gone wrong. I would say it was maybe the happiest moment, happiest time period in my life. You know, really? what more could you want? I had the disposable income to buy <laughs> stupid roller blades. Cocaine. And I had, all the, I had enough free time to be watching unlimited episodes of The Dog Whisperer. I mean, I'd take that right now. Sam, I, I'm assuming there must have been a market on Bet365 as to whether The Dog Whisperer could successfully train the dog or not. You needed to do something. But if you really want to know, I still own these. They are at my parents' house. Could you take a photo or could you get your parents to take a photo? I can try and bring them back. At some I, point. I, Here, Sam, here's what they look like. Did you I see now it? need to, no, no, no. I need to see you in these skating. I, I want to see you in these as well. Skating. What? What? It's I, like a only... really, it's like a really small, weird wheelchair. 
<laughs> I mean, a wheelchair for your feet. You can describe all of a second. All of a second, you can say that about any rollerblade. <laughs> like they're kind of like if Victorian Britain had come up with roller skates and like penny farthing. Them. Oh no, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's the penny farthing. Undoubtedly, it's the penny farthing of roller skates, rollerblading. I will accept that. Are they are they quite a new thing? Well, I mean, I bought. I mine, don't think they're anything. <laughs> I bought mine fifteen years ago, so I wouldn't say that they're a new thing. No. Wait, now that Eddie you mentioned it, I want to click this link as I'm sharing it to you all. Skate like the dog whisperer. It's the tagline for buying these skates. <laughs> Oh, you see, they know it. They know it. I hook, did they you have make hook, this Pinterest? Hook, hook, line, and sinker. Have, have you have you so well designed this podcast that you've led us down this path that you knew we were going to go on this link and you created this prior to it? it oh, yeah. Too- I, sorry, I forgot that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Land Rollers. <laughs> Ever wanted to skate like the dog whisperer? Now you can. Say I didn't want to, Eddie, so we Eddie, went to land skates. <laughs> no, no, no. Do you ever remember? Wanna... Do you ever remember putting this into a blog? As a dog owner, I must admit, I really enjoy watching Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer. I'm not saying I agree with everything he does, but I do. <laughs> See, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even make a joke about the fact that I didn't agree with everything Caesar Milan did. So that is definitely not one of my blogs. But no, I'm willing. Look, at some point in the future, if the listeners really push for it, maybe I'll put those back on and, and you know, knock, when the, we, knock the dust off them and, and go for a skate. When All right, we go I, I, how about to this? The, no, 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 no. I've got it. When we go to the Ark and we do like a live podcast from the Ark. Oh, that's an interesting question. Who's quicker I, over? Who's quicker over five furlongs? Me and my Land Rollers, <laughs> or the Land Rollers, or a Naval? Because <laughs> that's the great. That's the beauty of Land Rollers. You can you can skate on grass. You just you just see a navel coming down the home stretch, and here comes Eddie behind him, just sipping away. I can imagine yeah. like some hilarious photo finish where like they're trying to do the shot, and just at the back of that, on like the stand side, it's just Eddie like powering over like a runner in the hundred meters. Well, see, this would this would be my advantage, right? I would just latch, just hold on to one of their arguing tails. This? So if it's oh, the arc, okay. I just I just. I just hold on to one of their tails for the first mile and three furlongs. I've got great, go- I've got great momentum heading down the straight. I let go. I whip around that horse and then just pump like crazy and I'm there. Frank, you know he's doing that to Gaieth because of our money. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll just drag Gaieth back. You're going to ruin Gaieth for us. That's, that's fantastic, actually. I'm... I'm really happy I now have that knowledge of your land roller skates. Well, maybe that has to be the most loser thing I've ever heard you admit to. (laughs) (laughs) That's possible. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm proud of it. I don't totally regret them, but what, what do you, what do you not regret about them? Um, you know, I, I got out, I wore them. I hadn't (laughs) skated in a long time. I will say I mostly skated in an underground car park because I didn't want people to see me. 
I mean, was this on your own? Yeah. Oh, yeah. By myself. No, there was no way I was going skating with other people. Did you do any sort of like montage, like kind of footloose style? With yeah, like the no, I did the... film myself. If I did film myself and then, uh, you know, clip all of my best moves together and put it, put music behind it. I'd play it, but we'd we'd get we'd have copyright infringements. Um, I'm I'm excited for this. Wow. Um, no, I'm good. But now you know we've got Frank's top five. We've got Sam's corner. I guess now my my little my little running bit will be me sharing purchases that I probably should regret but don't. Regrettable purchases of Edward Hewitt. Embarrassing purchases. Fantastic. I, I, you know what? I'm not embarrassed by them. You know, it's just part of who I am. You know, without those <laughs> land rollers, who knows who I'd be today. I mean, I know that we called this the Harding situation, and it kind of then went on to your... It's kind of a fantastic dive in from, you know, a president's genitalia to your wheelchair skates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I mean, more embarrassed. I'm more embarrassed that Eddie admitted to wearing those than that we mentioned Harding's genitalia. <laughs> All I can say is, Frank, you're really lucky that I didn't take it more seriously because otherwise I probably would have ended up in the NHL. Yeah, except no one in the NHL skates on The question is, would they, have let me, would they have let me have skates that start, like the blade started on the outside of my foot and angled in underneath? That's the real question. That's maybe the only thing that held me back from making it, making it all the way. Probably. No, I know what it looks like as well. It looks like one of those old like prams where the wheels were like as high as the pram. <laughs> it's like that. Everything about it is just 1800s Britain. Basically. You know what? All I can tell you is you might think that they're funny. You might think that they're stupid. Oh, nice. But when you put those things on your feet and you skate, skate over uh, a bunch of grass for the first time, you go on a beach and you, and you skate, skate smoothly over the sand. Shit. We really are time, sponsored by them, aren't we? At that moment in time, you don't care how stupid you look because you feel so amazing. You have been, you've, you're gliding like angels across clouds. Oh, boy. <laughs> exactly. And the people pointing and laughing at you, but in your mind, you just think, you fools. You do not know the life that you are turning your backs on. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Coming yeah. from the guy yeah, that's in winning. the carport. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, in part, I will say two things. Part of the reason, too, that I mostly did it in an underground parking lot was because I hadn't skated in a long time. So there was no way I was going out on those things until I could actually skate really well. Because if you're going to go out in, I think if you're going to go out in rollerblades anyway, you need to be a good rollerblader. If you go out in dumb looking rollerblades, you need to be an even better skater. And so for a long time, I was just practicing. But the downside was my, my big undoing in the, in the car park was that there was a big ramp. And uh, every once in a while, I would forget the ramp was there. And so I would skate down the ramp, and it was quite a steep angle. And I would eat it every time. <laughs> that actually was going to be a point. Would you, you know, when you go to like parks and there's skate parks, like, would you, were you ever confident enough to go on a half pipe with them? Oh yeah, I was doing tricks. You know, I was flipping up, grabbing the big back wheel. That's the other thing that's great about them. You know, there's types of tricks that you could do on these things that you just couldn't do on normal rollerblades. Eddie, I at this rate, don't doubt that. I don't doubt it. <laughs> your next progression has to be into that um, that bicycle where you like lay down almost 
Oh, and you like things. kettle? Yeah. What is it called? I, I I don't know, but I I you know, I'm not just saying this. I would 100 percent buy one of those. Oh, were they the three that where you're laying on your back kind of when thing? When you're laying on your back, yeah. Wheel at exactly. the front, wheel at the front, two at the back, and for some reason, most of them have a flag coming out the back. Well, yeah, because they're low <laughs> to the ground. It's called a recumbent, a recumbent bicycle. That's what it is. They're low to the ground, Sam, so they don't want to get hit by a car that can't see them. <laughs> Wait, they're road Eddie, at this at this rate, you are a recumbent bicycler. Right off the bat. Oh, no. No. I'd 100%, nope. I'd 100% try one of those out. Yeah, but that's that'd be way be more you. expensive than my Land Rovers. Yeah. That would fall into a different price bracket for my stupid purchases. My stupid <laughs> purchases have to be like 400 or less. Wait, <laughs> did you say 400 because that's how much the skates cost? I think the skates oh, cost. Oh, God, me. no. <laughs> I think I think to get no. them to Europe, I think they cost me about three hundred and twenty euros. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie, come on! Because I think when he they, turned to gambling, I think they were. I think they were something oh, like one hundred and fifty euros for the actual to buy them. Then I think they charged me another like eighty euros to ship them, something ridiculous like that. And then I got hit by the the import tax. So, uh, yeah, it was an expensive old purchase. So they probably worked out to about, I don't know, 10 euros a skate. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 that's that's great, actually. I've really enjoyed this podcast. I think we can just call it. Yeah, don't worry, though. I've got got more to share. I've got more to share, and, and there'll be more. You know, like if I get the right, if the right ad pops up in front of me when I'm surfing the internet, who knows what I'll do. Well, so... Now what. that you've done your segment, why don't we go to my top five segment and see your, your knowledge? Go for it. Top right. five um, modes of recreational transport. Number one, land rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to do top five golf movies, but unfortunately there really are only five good golf movies. <laughs> so there's not much to that. So instead, I'll wait, give you the interest, choice. What you, wait, this is, what, out of interest, what are your... Your five good golf movies. So Caddyshack, Happy Gilmore, uh, The Greatest Game Ever Played, Legend of Bagger Vance, and... Tin Cup? Tin Cup, yep. I don't think I know any others. (laughs) There's a Byron Jones... uh, Bobby Jones? Sorry, Bobby Jones. Why did I say Byron Jones? (laughs) There's a Bobby Jones, like... Not a documentary, but like a biopic about his life. But I mean, that was okay. I couldn't really think of any others. So I forfeited that top five. All right. I guess picking, I guess picking what would be your favorite golf movie would be debatable. Do you go comedy or do you go more serious? Yeah. I mean, for me, Happy Gilmore would be my favorite one in the sense that whilst the others are fine, I'm not a huge, it's probably also just my age. So like I watched yep. Happy Gilmore at the perfect age to watch Happy Gilmore. All the time. Yeah. yeah. We grew and up so, with Happy Gilmore. Yeah. So like n- nostalgia would take over in terms of picking them, the one, whereas like Caddyshack has no real nostalgic value to me. Yeah. I would choose Happy Gilmore over Caddyshack, but I do love Tin Cup. Whenever Tin Cup's on, I feel like slightly we'll start watching it just because I just really, really enjoy that movie. 
And I'm a huge Matt Damon fan, so Legend of Bagger Vance always gets a shout out. Terrible movie. <laughs> but instead, I'll give you the choice. Would you rather do top five golfers for overall major victories or overall PGA Tour wins? I feel like overall PGA Tour wins would be harder. Okay, so you want to do majors. I feel like overall major victories, I would definitely get, like, uh, the top two are obvious, right? So, yeah. Yeah, can you get the order? Can you get all five in order? So Jack Nicholas is one. Yep. Tiger Woods is two. Yes. Three gets tricky. Who? Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer could be up there. He's seventh, tied for seventh. Okay. How many wins does number three have? 11. My hint would be he's in one of the movies or he's portrayed in one of the movies that I mentioned of a top five. Oh, uh, Bobby Jones? No. He's in Legend of Bagger Vance? No, he's in The Greatest Game Ever Played. I've never seen that movie. Yeah. Oh, man. Shia LaBeouf? Come on. Naming, naming more actors doesn't mean I've watched it. Well, I take it back then, obviously. My, <laughs> oh, my Shia LaBeouf. Well, no, yeah, yeah, I take it back. How could I not see a movie with Shia LaBeouf in it? But also, I have to take it back. I thought I could easily name the top five, and seemingly I cannot. But no, hit us with the PGA. Just the PGA Championship? Oh, it's just, just the PGA Championship. I thought it was like PGA Tour wins, you were asking. Yeah, like- oh, yeah, yeah, no, it is. Okay, so I'll give you the top five for major championships. Nicol- uh, Nicholas Woods, Walter Hagen is number three. And then Ben Hogan and then Gary Player are tied for fourth. Okay. Mm. Okay, okay, and now so- PGA. So it's overall PGA wins here, right? Most PGA Tour wins. Now, you should be able to get the first two because they're mentioned very often right now. I mean, number one must be Tiger Woods. He is tied with this person. That's why it's always mentioned. Is this person a current golfer? No. And it's, is it Jack Nicholas? Yeah, I'd say Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas is number three. Um, is it Arnold Palmer? <laughs> Arnold Palmer <laughs> is number five. <laughs> Is it Ben Hogan? Ben Hogan is number four. Gary Player? <laughs> so you've now gotten three, four, and five. And, and, and a tied for one. And tied for one. What era did this player play in? He played in the same era as Ben Hogan, I believe. So early. Do you want his what nickname? Would that help? Nickname, no, but maybe initial. S. S. Oh, Sam Steve. Steve. Sam Sneed. <laughs> For some reason, I was actually going to hear Steve Strickler. The Slammer, aka the Long Ball Hitter from West Virginia. Wait, that's that would have. That's just quite I, literal, isn't it? The Long Ball Hitter yeah. from West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you say that in the right way, it rhymes. It rhymes, yeah. And so then it's good. Long but if you say it the way Frank said West. it, where it's just the Long Ball Hitter from West Virginia. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't not so quite so so catchy. Whoa! <laughs> I bet that rolled off the tongue with all the chance. Well, I've got, and then I'll bring us like back onto the the current PGA Championship in a way as my final little quiz question for the, for you guys. Obviously, coming into this one, the, all the talk this season has been around uh, the increased length of golfers 
who was the first golfer to average over 300 yards on their drive using their driver on the PGA tour for a season? Is it the long ball hitter from West Virginia? <laughs> no. And that would have been amazing. <laughs> is, it John Daly? is it John Daly? It is John Daly. 1997. <laughs> nice. Absolute, absolute hero. Sam is on fire. He's buzzing today. Do, doing okay. Doing okay. Speaking of which, um, did you see, um, the Shambo when he was talking about the course, no, no DeChambeau no, talk. No, 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 no. But to be fair, we're talking about big hitters. And it was just, it just made me laugh because he basically came out and he's like, I think this course today looks good for, you know, the boomers, the big hitters out there. And it's like, are you just, are you just talking about yourself now to just kind of yeah. like improve? Well, I think no, the I thing think- is, right. It's a, it's a relatively uh, straightforward course. Bombers. Sorry, and not it's not, bombers. it's not tremendously long, but supposedly there's patches of the, rough that are really tough so if you are going to miss the fairway you might get punished yeah did you see ian poulter put up that cool video on twitter where he was he wearing was he wearing was he wearing quirky pants Uh, yeah he uh, he definitely was and a quirky shirt oh my god they're pink but he took he took he has so much personality he just took two golf balls and threw them into the rough and they were about six eight inches apart from each other and one was completely buried. You couldn't even see it. And the other one looked like it was almost in the fairway. And he said, this is the issue is like some patches of the rough are okay, but other patches are just completely unhittable. Oh, is the wait. other thing, did he follow that up by saying the real issue I have though, is that this is the only time this weekend that anyone is going to watch me on this golf course. He's a Ryder Cup <laughs> player though, isn't he? Oh wait, yeah, greatest, greatest, greatest Ryder Cup player of all time. He's good at it. He's good at that format. He just, I, th- I, I yeah. don't know why. I guess he's just good. But it's I think I saw something about that, Frank, where he is basically saying, like, wherever, the, wherever you see, like, the mower has been. Yeah. Yep. You follow, go for the mower. If, yeah. if you're not where the tracks are for the mower, you're screwed. Yeah. I guess that's pretty good advice. But when you're 300 yards away, it makes it a bit challenging. <laughs> to be yeah. like, oh, also. Like some yeah, sort I mean... of, like, submarine-style periscope, <laughs> like, looking over the... <laughs> Well, it would be my piece of advice for Poulter. I mean, I know that I'm, I know that it, he, there's reason behind his tip, but if you're accurate enough to aim for where the mower went, why don't you aim for the fairway? Yeah, I think yeah. he was joking. <laughs> no, I get, I get that. I see the point, but you know. But I think but, it was funny that that it was really split in the field. There was a few people who basically were saying what Poulter was saying: play conservative, play in the fairways and then you'll have nice shots onto the green. And then there's idiots like DeChambeau who are basically saying, I'm just going to go for the green every time. And if I'm in the rough, I'll be close enough. I can just hit my wedge. And I, I want to see if it works. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see if his gameplay of I'm so far close, you know, I've driven it so far that it doesn't matter if I'm in the rough, if it works or not. I mean, there's all this talk, right, about how they need to adapt. Because he, obviously it's been something they've been talking about for years, but just because he increased his driver distance by such a significant amount that there's been a renewal in that talk about how they need to sort of either nerf the technology so that you can't hit as far or they need to drastically change the golf courses themselves. I know they're talking about um, sort of going back in time with the golf ball technology so that they'll use golf balls from the 80s or 90s sort of that level of technology supposedly because that would drop that would knock 30 to 40 yards off the big hitters. 
but yeah, this was, this actually brings up for some reason, I must've clicked on a European golf tour video one time on Facebook and now they always pop up in my feeds, but they do these really cool things where they have these little contests and games. And I'll talk about the other one in a sec, but the one that this reminded me of is they take the players who's like sponsored by Callaway or TaylorMade and they give him the clubs throughout the various decades and you get to see how much better like the distances on the driver starting with ones from like the 20s and 30s up to the 60s to the 80s to now and it's so funny like they there's a few times where they'll just not miss the ball but just completely f it up and hit it like 30 yards like a little scorcher or something like that so that's really cool but the other one that's better that they do is they pick a par three and they have to try and get on the green with every club in the bag against they like compete against someone have you ever seen those those are so cool i can watch those like when they're hitting their putter trying to put it on it's so cool yeah it also gives you better admiration like when even when you see them like hit their driver and they have the technique necessary to only hit their driver sort of 180 yards to me that's incredibly impressive and not just by drilling it into the ground and sort of seeing if it rolls that far (laughs) normally i would unintentionally hit it 180 yards i guess would be the way i mean that's that's actually actually, it downhill that's actually the (laughs) interesting thing about that challenge is that probably in that particular challenge an amateur golfer might beat them just because of the fact that it's just like oh no these are the distances i hit all my clubs it doesn't matter what i make pick that one out yeah i hit that one 150 that one 152 oh my hybrid 150 it's easy yeah it's, so john daly cool was one to watch did you see uh, so john daly actually withdrew from this tournament because of um covid fears so he's got the nickname long john and i didn't know that where the but, covid fears were that he was a super carrier and he was just gonna affect everyone <laughs> but i did no, read an article on john daly because he has no kidney up. left and liver <laughs> yeah, yeah he's like mega high risk but that's the funny thing like the article i read about his withdrawal and like all the other withdrawals as well is it opened up basically saying like, after wheeling up with a mcdonald's cup as a beverage in a golf cart and he's just fantastic because he just turns up like smoking doesn't he and he just essentially smacks the ball, gives no shits. That's the his son's a pretty good golfer, too. I was just going to ask, have you seen his son, who's basically a mini-me version of himself, yeah. and can crush the ball at age yeah. 14? Yeah, his son ex- absolutely destroys a golf ball. It's pretty impressive. And overall, seems to maybe have slightly better technique than John Daly. Not that John Dick- Daly was a sort of all he could do was hit the ball long, but his... His son seems to also have benefited from coming up in a, an era where he's obviously being, getting better overall training and just a bit more focus on other aspects of his game. And at that point, I'm sure John Daly, the father, had already had six to seven years of drinking and alcohol and drugs and everything in his system already. <laughs> it's incredible. True, but you know John what? Daly's John Daly will end up having, when they retire, John Daly will probably retire with more more majors than than uh, Deschambeau. So what does that show you? <laughs> that Deschambeau's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, remember at one point, like a decade or ago, John Daly had a golf game as well. <laughs> so, you know, on yep. Xbox 360 or whatever. So he was, he was up there with the Tiger Woods echelons of gaming. 
Oh, I, w- I think you could argue that in the 90s, John Daly was the most, fa- until Tiger Woods came around, John Daly was the most famous golfer. He was a marquee, go- he was a marquee, he was just a character, wasn't he? Like, he was yeah, very identifiable, or cavalier, I guess, would be, like, he broke a mold at the time. Yeah, and in the same way that Tiger Woods obviously popularized golf with a sort of a different demographic, John Daly also did that. Which was like, oh, you live on a trailer park? <laughs> you should watch golf. <laughs> Eddie, I, I found this fact pretty interesting. You picked Rory as one of your contenders last week. When was the last time Rory's won a major? Um, off the top of my head, I would say it was the Open in 2014. Yeah. Yep, six years ago. Can you remember the course? No. Neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a, what a quiz. Neither can I. Uh, um, a quick Google will probably tell me. I'm pretty sure it wasn't like St. Andrews. I'm going to go St. Andrews. St. Andrews. It was not St. Andrews. Okay. But interestingly, he was defending player of the year last year, which is... Well, McElroy is one of those guys who over the last few years, right, he's just become the king of finishing in the top 10. Yeah but he never actually really wins any of the big tournaments. And what he'll usually do too is he'll have one disastrous round, either in his first round or in his fourth round. So either you'll start and like it gets to the weekend and you go, well, Rory's out of the running. And then he shoots sort of 12 under in the, in the, the final two rounds. And somehow you go, oh, wow, Rory finished four shots off the lead but was never in contention to win the tournament. Yeah. Or he does the other thing where he's in contention going into the final day and shoots nine over par. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. with McElroy, he almost plays like, he almost plays like the money side of golf. Well, because whenever you see him at those season ending, like grand events in like Dubai or the FedEx kind of stuff, like he wins them. He does really well at them. And then when you see him in like the prestigious stuff, you always see him tailing off. Like you said, like in the kind of fourth round collapses. Yeah. It? I mean, he's, so he he's, seems to play like the long game. Well, like the money side of golf, I guess. He's sort of the anti Kepka, right? Like Kepka is the guy who week in, week out doesn't do that well, but when the major tournaments come around, he's always in the running. Yeah, and then you've got Rory, who is just kind of always in the running, but doesn't win anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. Hmm. So who's the best player current to have not won a major? What are we defining Ooh. best? I'm asking you. What do you think? Who do you oh, think? Oh, okay. Best I thought you had like a kind of like. No, a no, no, no. I'm just just asking. Because um, I'm thinking I mean, that Rory guess, hasn't won it in six years. I'm just wondering who hasn't won it at all. I mean, I guess it depends what you mean by best, because obviously it's a little bit hard to to like single out a young player. Like if you said, oh well, John Rahm or whatever. But when you're picking someone in the beginning stages of their career, it seems yeah. that doesn't seem right. I guess the best player in a way is Lee Westwood. Because Lee Westwood at this point probably will never win a major. Yeah. So he'll be in that category when he retires of greatest players to have never won a major. What about like Jim Furyk? Has he won a major? I don't think he has. Pretty sure and Jim Furyk's won a major. Yeah, he has. Furyk's won. Yeah. What about like... I'm Lee trying to Westwood think of has finished like... in the top three of each major, but never won it. Westwood's yeah. a really good... That hurts. Candidate. What about for, uh, yeah? What about Ricky Fowler? He's got a long time ahead of him, right? Fowler might be the argument for sort of best current player to have never won one. Yeah, 
I guess that would that would be fair of a player who's had us played a significant number of years, because again, there's there's players who are better players than him probably at the moment, but who are at an earlier stage in their career. So to start throwing them into that category in their very early twenties, yeah, like I think to to kind of be in that discussion in my mind, you need to be twenty six, twenty seven, or older. Yeah, so you you've had at least five full years of playing majors and never winning. So you say if you the threshold is you need to have played in 20 majors. So Ricky Fowler has five total PGA victories. Does that seem like a lot to you or a little? To me, that's, that I feel like he should have more. I would have guessed, I would have guessed significantly more than five. I would have, right? guessed more. I would have said he had at least 10. Yeah, I would have guessed yeah, significantly I would have done more. more. That's pretty crazy. He's only got five victories. And he, fished, he finished second in the Masters a few years ago, but... Yeah, I was just I was just thinking that considering Rory hasn't won in six years, I couldn't believe that when I saw that. I thought it was. I, I, I remember that open win, but I didn't think it was that long ago. Yeah. That's kind of shocked what's me. What's more surprising for you, the fact that Ricky Fowler only has five PGA Tour victories, or the fact that the MLB season is still going? <laughs> Wait, wait, that, what? That could just be the ongoing joke of the podcast that they're still playing baseball. What? There's, you genuine, see? there's still games and yeah, yeah they're, they're still, still playing. Yeah, yeah, they're still playing. Did you see how the the reason why the Cardinals they they all went to a casino? No, I didn't see this. How did I miss this? Yeah, like, they well, all went to a casino. They had a night out at a casino. They broke like every rule oh basically, and that's why. To me, that's the reason why I become even less optimistic about the NFL season because there is a team based in Las Vegas. What are the chances that either the Raiders or every team going to play against the Raiders doesn't go and do something stupid while they're in Vegas? I mean, these people get paid so much money to be sense, like sensible in a way. Like it's, It actually kind of boggles the mind that they would so... You feel like you should probably just, if I was the MLB, I'd be like, right, you broke the rules, you're out. You're out of the league. Done. The thing that's crazy to me is, why isn't the MLB putting on events for these players so they don't have to go to a casino? Like the thing the NBA got right, right, is that they've put them in an environment, take away even the bubble, but they've put them in an environment in which you can just have a lot of fun, even if you can't do exactly what you want to do, but you have a great life. So if I were running Major League Baseball, you'd be like, okay, we're going to do, you know, there is going to be an isolated casino for you to get, go to. Like there's one blackjack dealer. There's a roulette table. We'll yeah. put on a poker game for you. So you guys can go and do that if you want, but you're going to do it in a safe environment. And we'll cover the cost of, <laughs> that would be the interesting thing if, I guess, <laughs> if a player wins $54 million off of, off of the MLB. MLB, <laughs> yeah. But I think or, or, no. or the reverse player owes MLB $70 million like Mike Trout. <laughs> I'm sure they can work out something with the casino though, as well, that the casino, I mean, if you've ever been to casinos, there's tons of little rooms and things like that. They could just section off a room that only the players go into. They go through like a back entrance, kind of avoid everyone and go in and play. Wouldn't be that difficult. You just- would think so. I just can't believe they'd ever get to a point where they could do that. I mean, that's a lot of people you're rounding up. What's a baseball team? You know, the Cardinals. Well, they didn't all go, just to be clear. They didn't, not every single one of them went, just a lot okay. of them. Was it 13 of them? <laughs> yeah. 
probably. <laughs> yeah. But that, that, I mean, you, you would just kick them out, wouldn't you? You'd just say, right, season also, over, you're idiots. I also saw they are stuck in Milwaukee. That's where they are at the moment. Is that a punishment? <laughs> that hurts. Yeah. That really <laughs> hurts. But even, to me, even that's wor- never been sounds like a punishment. Even worse is that they're stuck in a hotel in Milwaukee, which is famous for being one of the most haunted hotels in the United States. No way. Yeah. No, no, it's, really? it's, it's true. Yeah. Are you sure they didn't just say all of Milwaukee is haunted? <laughs> no, because I, I know there's two there's two hotels that uh, I think, well, at least that Major League Sports teams stay in regularly that are haunted. Because it's the it's the hotel a lot of them stay at in Oklahoma City when they go and play the Thunder. And there's this one hotel that's famously haunted, and to the extent that like players hate staying there, m- multiple players report hearing things and stuff in the night. And this one in Milwaukee is also supposedly haunted and to the degree that for example in the article i was reading they said that uh uh yadier molino when he was playing refused to stay in that hotel so he would he would pay for his own separate hotel room so that he could stay (laughs) elsewhere whenever the team played in milwaukee why do they why do they maintain this relationship with these haunted hotels I think I think in the, well, in the case of the Thunder, I think it's one. Of the, I think it's the if not like one one of the if not the nicest hotels in Oklahoma City. And I think in the case of the Milwaukee Hotel too, when you see pictures of it, it looks like a really nice hotel from built in the early twentieth century. It has yeah, which is probably why nice, people think it's haunted. Yeah, it's like and I'm sure a few ones. people have died there or whatever. I think I think the story behind the Oklahoma City Hotel is that either a woman threw her baby out of the window at one point Yikes. or she jumped out of it with holding the something along those lines and those details might be off but i think the haunting is something about a baby a mother a window and falling yeah but supposedly <laughs> you can hear supposedly you can hear people routinely wake up in the night and hear the baby crying oh god and i know this too cuz i know to bring up my favorite our our biggest, com- the- our biggest competitor <laughs> Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons stayed in this hotel f- for a few nights when the Thunder were in the NBA Finals and he was working for ESPN. And even he said he woke up a couple times in the night and could distinctly hear a baby crying. Is it, is it, is it, in t- is it at all plausible that there could have been a baby crying? I don't think so. I think it was very clearly this kind of haunting sound of a baby crying. <laughs> I mean, look, have I don't believe in... Have you ever stayed in a haunted <laughs> hotel, Eddie? I have never stayed in... I don't... I'm, as far as I know, I've never stayed in a haunted hotel. I don't believe in ghosts. That being said, if a hotel was really famously haunted, I don't know if I'd want to be trapped in it. Well, you fulfill... Trapped, you, trapped you, is a loose term. Yeah, it's not it would like, be like it's one not of like those... the players can't... Like, if they leave, it, they're going to be shot on sight. Oh, I think they're, not, they're basically not allowed out of their rooms at the moment. I saw one of the players, one of the players has taken his mat because he still wants to, one of the relief pitchers, he still wants to be able to basically throw a bullpen session, basically. So he's taken his mattress off, like during the day, he'll take his mattress off his bed and he'll place it against the wall so that he can throw pitches into the wall. (laughs) Or is he trying to kill all the ghosts in this room? Yeah, that's the other thing. Or are people sleeping in other rooms being like, oh, in the middle of the night, I hear this really weird thumping noise. The hotel yeah. must be the hotel must be haunted. 
It's Susie with her axe chopping off people's heads. <laughs> yeah, chopping away at my wall trying to get in all night, every 15 seconds. Thump. Thump. Yeah, that's, that's weird. Like, if I was the commission, I would be like, okay, players don't seem to have a problem. Or is it like the local team that almost gets to decide the hotel and there's some sort of like they get an advantage because they know that the place is haunted and they're going to jitter out the other team? Or No, I would imagine that the <laughs> visiting team arranges their hotel. The, the only thing I don't know in the instance, like something as complicated as baseball, I don't know if they basically have to have a sort of like MLB hotel just because of the, it's, it would be a year, like baseball season, they're going to have a team there like probably on average two or three times a week almost. So you'd basically need this kind of standing reservation with the hotel that they need, whatever it is, 60 rooms. So you're, you're probably pretty limited as to what your options are, particularly when you, like, I guess when you're going to New York or something, no, you, you probably got a ton of things to choose from. But when you do go to some of these smaller cities, probably not, not a lot of options. They wouldn't do very well, well in the UK, right? Everything's haunted here. Like everything's like old and Victorian. <laughs> they wouldn't do very well. What does that mean? It's haunted just because it's old? <laughs> yeah. That seemingly is the way, right? You never see like a, like a, I guess in the UK, you never see like a premier in <laughs> people saying it's haunted. Like, <laughs> I don't fair. know what equivalent you have in the US of like a kind of like, like a holiday in, like a holiday in, like, like no, gonna be like, oh, it's from the 1970s. Like, <laughs> I would disagree with you there, Sam, because I think that premier ins probably are haunted, but not by ghosts. Just, just, just by just by horrible experiences of what people yeah. have done. There. The people, the people who are actually staying there on those nights are just haunted by their life decisions and how they ended up in a premier room. Yeah, it's more inner demons that ruin the more modern hotels. Exactly, than it is and like those are much. Old. Those are much worse. I'll, yeah, I'll take a night. Just like old children, I'll, like doing one of those like slow Jack in the Box, like ring around the rosies kind of noises as they're like. Exactly. Yeah. How, I'll take a how night, haunted I'll take do you a... think Belushi's is? Oh, that's that's not haunting. That's just shame. <laughs> like, if, that's a bar in London Bridge, by the way, if no one knows. But it's... Um, it's, well, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a hostile chain. It's yeah, all it's over Europe. Chain. Oh, is it? For some reason, I just thought it was like three or four in London. No, there's a Belushi's in Paris. It's just not as exciting. You just can't just, go there and play beer pong against people 15 years younger than you and then get called <laughs> out for living in your glory days. <laughs> no, if you ever want to feel, if any of our listeners ever want to pick me up, just go, just go to Belushi's on a, on a weekday night, play some beer pong. Nothing Tuesdays. will cheer you up more. Tuesday is usually the, the, a, the a game night. <laughs> Wasn't Europa League on that night? To bring no, this was, all full was, circle? No, it was the Copa America. Oh, yeah, yeah, Copa America, that's right. Frank, if it makes As you feel any better about Europa League, only one game went over 1.5 tonight. That's impressive. It was at Sevilla Roma. Yeah, the, the other two finished 1-0. Well, the other three I also had that 1-0. one over 1.5 as well. <laughs> Fantastic. I had those, I had those two. <laughs> Sevilla it wasn't over and... 1.5 until you told me. <laughs> yeah. like, and then you told me and they just added a goal it was crazy <laughs> yeah Wolves lock right yeah it's going to be an interesting next round of the Europa League that's for sure I mean it's all set up it's you know you have to say it's between Inter United on the face of things but 
I'm just looking yeah. forward to uh, uh, Jesse Lingard's United career ending. <laughs> Where's that come from? I don't know. Jesse Lingard's one of those weird players, right? Because he looks and behaves as if he's 22. But he's, he's, you know, in your mind, you kind of think, oh, Jesse Lingard, one of those one of sort of up and coming English players. But he's Wait, you're going to blow my mind. Years. How old is he? It's like 28. 27, 28. Really? Well, because yeah. he came into the England, because I think t- it kind of relates to the England situation, right? Because he came into the fold when all the young players were coming in as well. So he's almost kind of molded himself with these like 21, 22 year old players. I thought he was like a year. I thought he was a year older than Rashford. He's 27. He turns, he turns 28 in December. Wow. It's also just because he likes making like TikTok videos and stuff. So yeah, his, he acts like a child. Yeah. Socially. So speaking of which, I watched this. It was like a crib style video of Marcus Rashford's house. And the more things I see, I'm, obviously I'm not a United supporter, but the more things you see involving Marcus Rashford, the more it makes me like him. Obviously he did the good, uh, you know, good work uh, in the summertime of regarding school lunches. Yeah. But then watching his, uh, this tour of his house, he's they're kind of looking through his fridge and stuff. And then he had this small wine fridge because obviously he's bought this nice house. So his kitchen had what is clearly supposed to be a wine fridge. It's just, you know, like racks like there, but it was just filled with bottles of Coke. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and the, the guy going around is like, you know, this is supposed to be for wine, right? And, and Marcus Rashford was like, yeah, but I really like Coke. <laughs> just like, it was, and it was the way just, it was like such Kane. a, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my way of saying, yeah, he's got a horrible drug habit. It was just kilos of cocaine all over the place. We, we've discussed it before though. I mean, he, de- he seems like a pretty genuine person and he's, he doesn't seem like your stereotypical. He's a very honest football. Goal scoring premier league player. <laughs> you no, know, he like, seems like a nice person. Very down to earth, really nice. Yeah. No, he seems to have his head on straight and stuff. He seems, he seems like a nice, yeah, and hopefully it's a good sign for the England team because, I mean, that was the thing going back to 2018. It was, the, it was the first time in a long time that the England team was genuinely likable. And hopefully Marcus Rashford can kind of keep that going and that he can be part of that generation that, that keeps the England players thinking about things the right way and doing things the right way and interacting with the press in the right way and stuff. And I'm not saying that's a one-way transaction because it's the press also has to behave themselves. But I was Greenwood. How does he seem? Great. You don't hear a lot about Greenwood, to be honest. He doesn't talk a lot at the moment, so it's kind of hard to judge him. But he's not. I haven't seen too much of him. You see, you hear the reports coming out about what he's like in training and things, which is just he's a really good player. But I don't actually see him in a lot of interviews or or appearing on television very often. Yeah. The good thing about um, Rashford as well is that he's he's ridden some pretty up and down waves at Man U as well. Like there's so like there's there's so many times where he just hasn't scored in a long period of time, and the fans have gone against him, and then it's changed. And I, I just think he he's permanently stayed pretty level headed, even though the scenario at Man U has been sometimes against him. I would say everyone knows he's a good guy, but you, when you're thinking about a team that's struggling badly, you start looking at players is like Rashford's up front and he's not scoring. So it's a very simple logic of like, well, he shouldn't be playing there. So I, th- I think he's done pretty well. And going back to your point about the, the England team as well, like 
this is this is the the 2018 world cup was such a good example of like press fans and feel good factor and it just coincides with the fact that we get to the semi-final as well it's i think it's really good at the moment but i do think actually a discussion point is that the euro has been delayed wembley final wembley semis England team not necessarily firing all cylinders at the moment, like the Sterlings. I actually think the delay in the Euros has benefited England. Um, I think it will have benefited England in the sense that, say, someone like Greenwood, who definitely wouldn't have been involved this season, should be involved next year. Sterling one being out of form is tough because they came back from the, uh, from the break and he's been in great form since the restart. And you'd argue that that's when he would have been playing in the Euros. So, and, and also, I guess Kane would have probably missed the Euros or at least not played a very big part in them. So you get a healthy Kane back. But then there's the other way of looking at it. And a year is a long way away. And you could have two or three more injuries to big players in the squad. And we might look back and think, oh, if only it had happened last year, all we would have been missing was Harry Kane. And now we might be in a situation where you're missing really key players. And the one thing about Kane, even though obviously he's such a central figure within the England squad, that England aren't exactly lacking in attacking talent. Vardy, so you, just say him, Eddie. Yeah, Jamie Vardy can come out of retirement <laughs> and prove me right by having an absolutely awful Euros. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It'll be interesting, and obviously we'll see if Sancho be, be good for the England team too. For example, if Sancho gets, goes to United and you get Sancho and, and Rashford playing with each other on a weekly basis, that would be and exciting. Greenwood, yeah, that would be awesome. If you if you have the possibility where the front three for England might play together on a club level and on an international, I mean, obviously Sterling is not going to be forced out of the England team anytime soon, but you still will have Greenwood, Rashford, and and uh, Sancho potentially is going to have that next generation of England players all playing together week in, week out. Yeah, it is pretty exciting looking at the England team because you, you can see what the next like five years looks like as well. Like uh, Variables aside, of course, people yeah. burst on Apart, cinema, apart but, from central defenders. Which is weird because a decade ago, it was probably the opposite. You'd probably say like that's actually the area where things look pretty solid and it was the, you know, who's going to come through, but... Central defenders and, and goalkeeping. Yeah. Because Pickford's basically managed to play himself out of it. Yeah, he's done pretty incredible, isn't it? Like, and then you've got what? He and Pope. Yeah, there's, there's under ca- other candidates there, and it will depend a bit on what happens with them, obviously, because the United goalkeeping situation might affect the England goalkeeping situation. But you still, that would be my, my two big areas of concern would be finding a, a trusted pairing in, in central defense and also finding a reliable goalkeeper. And those yeah. are two pretty big areas of the pitch to have question marks over. Yeah. But look on the bright side, have about seven international class right backs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. How good was that World Cup day for England? I, I still love it. I still like watching the reactions. I look on YouTube and that and you see like the pubs go absolutely ballistic. Um, I think the the one that we've seen well, quite a few times is that box park, you know, where you see like the beer showers, basically. It's such a good feel factor. Like everything well, the, was good then. I, I, I'm just going to be I, a I little mean, bit. Did, 
didn't we personally experience that, Sam? Yeah, I mean, like, why are you referencing other bars? <laughs> we were at a bar for the first match when they scored to win at the end, and we practically had a pile on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty poor uh, example of a 2-1 win against, what was it, Tunisia? It was Tunisia, yeah. yeah <laughs> I will just say there's, there's only two things. I, I obviously, I thought the England World Cup journey was just really, I mean, it's great to be talking about this two years later. It's <laughs> really topical discussion. But was good, but ultimately they didn't beat anyone particularly good in their path to the final. I mean, with the exception, you'd say Colombia, but Colombia missing James Rodriguez in that match. And then losing to Croatia, who have, who are a very good, competent side, but I wouldn't put them in the upper echelons of, of international football. And that's that was then shown when England comfortably beat them yeah, the, they immediately beat them after. Immediately yeah. afterwards. I think it was their that game hurt. after, actually. Yeah, so. and so that's the only thing I'll say is you'll never have an easier path to the final. So to have done that and not made the final is the one issue I would have with it. And the second one is that summer of people spraying, the, spraying beer everywhere and tossing their pints in the air, that's great. The downside is going to be that that's probably now a thing. And so now every tournament is going to involve England scoring goals and people tossing their beer everywhere. And that won't be quite, that will kind of take away slightly from what, what had been quite a sort of organic way for people to celebrate a goal. <laughs> such a downer. Yeah. I know that's I'll what I'm here for. I know you're such a downer. I'll, I'll still say us going to the pub to watch that is probably top five sports moments in my life. For sure. And it's, I, I understand it was just Tunisia and it wasn't a big game, but just being in England watching an English World Cup match and having them win in a fashion that they did at the end was super exciting and having like just the atmosphere and everything. It was well, I really think the cool. other thing too for, for all of you who were there who had never been through that before is it was a, a match that perfectly encapsulated the experience of supporting. Yeah, them, for sure. Which is kind of everyone super optimistic and excited before the match kicked off. England scored relatively early. Everyone starts to think, wow, how good are we? It's our, here it's we, our year. Here, here we it's go. Co- then it's, it's coming one home. All. It is, it's, it's coming like, home. Then it's one all and everyone starts to think, oh God. And then the match drags on and drags on and everyone just goes, here's this familiar feeling all over again. And then the late yeah. winner to sort of that release of all of that frustration coming out. It didn't even matter that it was only Tunisia. It was just that that release of sort of, for most people, an entire generation of watching an England team fail when you didn't <laughs> think they could fail. Yeah, that was a fun day. Considering what the competitive game, the last competitive game England had played before that was the Iceland loss, right? Yeah, which is the yeah. low point. Probably <laughs> that the low is point, a low point. Probably the low point in the history of, English, of England football is the Iceland match. Yeah, more so than not qualifying in 90, or was it 90? Or was it four? Didn't, didn't qualify for the World Cup in 94, yeah, or for Euro 2008. That was Croatia as well. That was Scott Carson, wasn't it, with the error? So, all right, wasn't there we go. Paul, That's a good Paul, question. Oh, yeah, in the second there's, match against Croatia, yeah. There's a Not question. A so Frank said top five. Eddie? Yeah, I love top fives. <laughs> you gotta. You don't need to give me top five, but like a memorable, really memorable sporting occasion where you can kind of pick that up and say easily best live 
I, I would say, oh, well, live maybe, I guess. His, his first Utah Jazz game he went to just yeah, completely changed his life. Yeah. Um, oh, it's tough for me. I, there Things that have stuck out in terms of events that I've gone to. Uh, I went to, here's a completely unspectacular, and I think you've both probably heard me talk about it before, but went to a Blackburn-Charlton League Cup match, sort of third round League Cup match. It was at the Valley, a rainy day, midweek match, and dragged three people from university to go and watch it. What and, a setting. And Blackburn went 2-0 down, and at that point, the three of them, and there were maybe... 200, 300 Blackburn supporters in the, in the stand. Wow, packed day. Well, I mean, you're trying to travel all the way down from, from Blackburn to, to London uh, midweek. And uh, at that point, the people with me were saying, well, why did we bother to come to this? And then Rovers scored with, I think, Shefki Kuchi scored. And wow. then, and then uh, I think it was David Thompson scored. What, what is probably the best goal I've ever seen in person? Just an absolute screamer. And then David Bentley, these, these, this all happened in the sort of final 10 minutes, 2-0 down. And then David Bentley scored an injury time to win it and then leapt into the stands right where we were. And that experience, I mean, the people I was with, most of who, the two of whom had never attended a professional football match in their lives before, they walked away from that thinking, I would do this every week. And then he had to tell them, it's not like this every week. You know how you I know, I know the people. I know the two people that went as well. So I know that they would have really got carried away with this. Yeah. So I said, you know, imagine how we felt 60 minutes into the match when it was raining and the team was losing. That's normally how you're going to feel. <laughs> but that would be it. Going to the Ryder Cup was pretty special. Oh, yeah. When I was uh, yeah, that's France. pretty cool. Yeah, that one, that one was, that would be up there. Um Eddie, there was one you oh. and I went to. Can you remember it? I would say it was definitely up there. Seeing Frankel? Oh, that, that is up there. there. Oh, no, you're talking but, about when we, went, when we went to watch Blackburn Wolves. Is that what you're talking about? That was a Friday night when I came up to see you. And honestly, Molyneux is one of the most depressing places. Yeah, <laughs> you're I just think walking you... up those concrete stairs yeah. to that really like they almost put you there because you're like diseased. Like the way I felt treated as like an away fan. And it was yeah, being sat, sat right up in the top of one stand in a, in a stadium that probably was 30, 40% full Friday night, end of January, not good weather. That was semi fearing for my life in a local pub. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't, wouldn't say it would, it wouldn't when, make my top five. I don't, I don't, do no, they no. even have do they even have weather spoons in Wolverhampton? I would have felt safe. I would have felt safe with a chain. <laughs> like, no, but Eddie, the one I'm talking about was when we went to see Arsenal Barcelona. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because, funny how that didn't come to my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the the reason that game was so good was because that was a Barcelona team at the absolute almost zenith. You would you wouldn't say they were far off their absolute peak, but you would also say that Wenger's non-invincibles Arsenal you would probably say that they hadn't been much better than at that point and it was just the way that Arsenal 
beat Barcelona by playing like Barcelona, like just counter-attacking. And also yeah, when, you, when you then watch it back as well, the great thing about it was that the Emirates Stadium is in no way known for its kind of like atmosphere and like vibe, but everyone was on it. And we were sat above the Barca fans. And the fantastic thing about that was you just got their vibe, but then the Arsenal fans were on the opposite side. So you just got the noise coming from them. And it was such a good atmosphere like that that's definitely up there with one of my like memorable ones the other one is barnet v talkie <laughs> one for the ages it won for the ages and it was um whoever lost went down to the conference and obviously that mattered when it was like like 15 20 years ago you're basically going back to being a part-time team uh back then and um, well, you, you almost still you almost still are in fairness I remember, just, to, just to be clear yeah i remember barnet having to put up like temporary stands like the demand was that good and they had to put scaffolding up for chris kamara at sky sports so they could do like the live segment and talkie went three nil up at half time and talkie only needed to draw and barnet hit two pretty quickly and then i think proceeded to then like hit the post like twice a couple of goal scrambles it was insane but i remember that that was pretty good yeah, I'll go with that one. Well, maybe one day in the future we'll do one of those, like you see other sports podcasts doing, where they just do like a deep dive into a single sporting event, and we'll just rewatch that match in its entirety, and you can walk us through <laughs> the emotions that you felt. Ah, oh, euphoria constantly. Yeah, in the in the cauldron that is Barnet Stadium. <laughs> the un the underhill. <laughs> is that what it's called? Yeah, Barnet. Well, I think they may have moved out now, but it was the underhill. At the time, now they're, just, now they're just playing at a local park or something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they couldn't afford the upkeep, so they had to move out. But yeah. just playing, playing in the school. All right, Hi, Frank. I, what's what's your top top one or two? I've had a few decent ones. So I w- I've been lucky that my parents had season tickets to the Giants, so I used to go to a lot of their games, and they were decent for a stretch. And uh, the one, the one Giants game that I'll never forget was NFC Championship. They beat the Vikings forty-one nothing, just absolutely demolished them. And I'll never forget because we had tickets in the corner, and oh, it was a fullback. One of the fullbacks for the Giants, uh, like oh, Greg Camella. This always is be worried. Always be worried when Frank says he'll never forget, <laughs> and then immediately, oh yeah. shit, what was he called? Well, I don't even know. Like Greg Camella is so old school. He made this awesome, like his his back was to us, and he like turned around and caught this ball right on the front corner of the end zone. That made it like twenty one nothing or something like that. And then Randy Moss got demolished in the end zone that we were by, and he was hurt for a little bit, and people were just booing him as he like wouldn't get up for a good two minutes, and then eventually got up. But that was cool. Forty one nothing in an NFC Championship game is just fun when you're you know, on the way to the Super Bowl, just crushing a team. That one was probably up there. And then obviously going to Penn State with 107,000 people in a stadium is pretty memorable. And the time they played Ohio State, and it was the first ever whiteout at the stadium where everyone just wore white. So the entire stadium was just white and it was a night game. So it was really cool looking. And they beat Ohio State, who I think at the time were – probably like top five. And that was the year they ended up going, I believe to the orange bowl, Penn state one and one in the orange. Did everyone, bowl. That was awesome. Did everyone wear white? So, um, 
Jerry Sandusky could sneak out of the stadium more easily. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, he was no longer a coach then. <laughs> just just running summer camps. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> so those are probably my two ones that I was actually at that were most memorable. And actually being in the Olympics, going to the Olympics in Rio to see the time I was in the Olympics, actually, that ranks up there pretty high. Yeah, I forgot that time I won that Olympic bronze medal. That was a pretty cool thing. <laughs> I wish. But that was going to the Olympics was was pretty fun too. But that was it's different. That's not like a one. That's not like a four hour experience. That's a whole week of adventures in Rio and going to watch Frankie wrestle. I mean, obviously, I mean, that's, pretty awesome. That's, that's a side podcast, right? Adventures in Rio. That could definitely be a side podcast. I can get some very good guests to come in. <laughs> Some of them would be twelve to fourteen dollars an hour. Yeah, will they speak English? (laughs) That was their rate then. Maybe it's increased a little. (laughs) Yeah, we might need that say at sponsorship deal to come in before we can start can start paying for that. No, we got we got lawn rollers or lawn skates. Land rollers, God, don't cost us that that sweet sponsorship. Lawn skates? I just (laughs) (laughs) they're really bad looking. I just, yeah, fine, Man. whatever. This is why you're not negotiating any of our sponsorship deals, Sam. Wait, we've got some in the pipe? Oh, we have a few in the pipeline, and that just rem- good opportunity, I guess, as we're wrapping things up, just to remind anyone, <laughs> if you are listening to this and you're thinking, wow, the plugs that they give companies are so amazing, I'd like my company to be represented in this podcast, just reach out to us, thebigshowpodcast at gmail.com. You'll, it'll be the most creative advertising you've ever thought of. I'm not trying to think of what that looks like. <laughs> Any, well, anything else, boys? No, no. That's pretty much, pretty much it on my end. Pretty happy. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reinvest in Champions League tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe I'll take Kepka with me this time. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, guess it's, lost I, guess we can make our, I guess we can make our Champions League picks for the weekend. Wait, what are the games tomorrow? I it's, well, tomorrow it's you've got City, City Real Madrid, and Juventus Lyon, I think. And then Saturday is Bayern Chelsea, which obviously is kind of a dead rubber. And you have um, also the other matches, uh, Barcelona Napoli. Well, Man, Man, Man City should be. What are it's they? Only up? A one goal. Three, one? They should. They should. Or no, two, I think one. two one. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, th- I expect City to go through. I expect. I mean, I would just kind of go chalk on it in a way. I'd expect Barcelona to go through. I actually think that Barcelona are really good value because I could see this. I think Napoli are are sort of are not in great form, and people are really laying into Barcelona. And I think it would be really typical that they now go out and beat Napoli sort of four or five nil, and then everyone sort of says trouble. What trouble? Look at Messi is still the best player on earth, and they still have Suarez, and they still have Griezmann. About kind of everyone will get convinced themselves that actually Barcelona are the best team around, and then Barcelona will get knocked out in the semis. Yeah, they have first. I'd probably go. Uh, I'd probably take Juve to qualify um, rather than Juve to win. I think you probably get pretty good value. Well. You get better value than them just winning the game. Uh, probably City to win the game. Tough no, for I think them, it's the opposite. Tough, it's the tough opposite, for them to, I think. Yeah, tough for them to qualify without winning. Yeah. No, but what I mean is like the only because eventuality... I'd take qualify. I'd take you to qualify. 
I wouldn't because you're it's a, it's one all coming in from the first leg. So if you're taking them to qualify, you're basically saying that in addition to winning, you're getting two other possible results, which is nil nil and they go through on away goals, or one all and they go to extra time. So you're really if you think they're going to qualify, you're basically saying you think they're going to win. You get better value. So I'm going to take Juve to qualify. I'll take Man City just to win outright because <laughs> I think that's pretty good. I think you're right about Barca. I, I think eight to thirteen is pretty crazy for a game they actually have to do something in as well. They've also I, they're I being. I will say that price keeps shortening all the time because at the beginning of last week you were getting nearly evens offered in some places. So I think it's one of those things which is to be expected with Barcelona because a lot of people who aren't even following their struggles in La Liga will now be looking ahead to the Champions League fixtures and thinking, oh, that's Barcelona against Napoli. Obviously, Barcelona will win. And then, yeah, I completely agree. I, I see 8-13. to 13. I think that's pretty good value regardless. And then I'd probably take, to be honest, Bayern Munich crush London sides at the moment. I think they'll just crush them again. So I'll probably take Bayern handicap by minus one. But are they going to play? That's what always scares me. Like, they can yeah, just lose. It doesn't matter. Draw 1-1, one, one, it doesn't matter. I'd stay away from the 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 Bayern Chelsea match. You could I, maybe talk. You could talk me into love it. maybe over in the goals if you wanted to do over one point five or over two point five. I love it. <laughs> Kept so quiet during your tips, just being absolutely discombobulated by yours. Well, we got to disagree with each other or agree. Yeah. So I'm taking Bayern minus one. Juve to qualify. City outright. Barcelona, um, Barcelona outright. Pays about City nine to, to win one. outright. Yeah. Pays nine to one. All right, Frank. Give us give us your uh, give fourfold. us your fourfold of which only one might win. Yeah, give us your fourfold, but don't pick I'm anything just, that I've just okay. said. <laughs> yeah, please. Actually, would, <laughs> like, please. Okay, I'll do City to qualify. Damn, Baron okay, to qualify. Who Baron? The <laughs> great <laughs> <laughs> Baron von the Baron Munich. Robin. Ah, <laughs> oh, shoot! Is this Donald Trump's Bar- Baron Munich? <laughs> Donald Trump's son is competing in the Champions League now. How has he swung that? No, I would go over one one point five in that game. Uh, City, I'll take City to win. I trust Eddie. You made a but, but not but not me in the identical. <laughs> no, 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 not you, Sam. No, no one trusts you, <laughs> Sam. You, the way you said it, just didn't fill me with confidence. Sam. You told me Rangers had a shot. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't even put up one such, freaking goal. All I needed was one goal. I a team that's three one down. Just one goal. Oh yeah, and then that, right. that'll be interesting because next week's. I think that's the nice thing about Champions League football being back is that the the sort of next round of fixtures is going to be a really interesting one. Yeah. So that's going to be that's going to be good. Good stuff. Good, good fun. Learned a lot All about right. Eddie. Learned a lot about me. Learned a lot about President Harding. <laughs> And Jerry. I completely forgot that that was at the start of this podcast. (laughs) Fantastic. Hopefully our listeners pay more attention. We didn't get to bring up the only golf match we've had together. Oh. You guys tried to skip it. Your embarrassment. (laughs) Your embarrassment on the mini golf course where I demolished the field. Hold on a second. You did not <laughs> demolish you, the King I, demo- I won by like three strokes. No, you won by, I think, two strokes. 
I, I think it was in, three. Was this in and I, just, I also want to say, I also want to say, if you win by three strokes, you have not demolished the field. In mini golf? <laughs> no, because you can you can have one hole with seven and you're back back in it. That's much more likely in mini golf than it is in a real game of golf. But but when you're only doing takes two shots to get it in, three's a pretty substantial lead. Well, I'll tell you what, this is what our listeners can really look forward to. They in, in the future, this is the mini golf course near the O2 Arena in London. We will have a rematch at some point in the near future. We'll film it, we'll put it on YouTube. Maybe they'll even, I'm so confident, I might even do the round of mini golf in my land rollers. I'll still win. <laughs> Eddie, I remember that. And let's just bring out the word. But like, I remember the undulations of that mini golf being crazy. Huge oh my God, are, the undulations. You are, and there's a road nearby. Like, I, also, I also <laughs> want to say, I also want to say, I, the one thing I do really remember is sinking a huge putt so I didn't finish last. And that's no, no, no. The final hole. There, there was, was a battle some, for second. Oh, well, there was, was a playoff second? hole for second. Oh yeah, and at we the end. Sec- yeah, and we finished second thanks to that, that huge putt. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember. And that's all the fans will really remember. No one um, remembers no. the winner. They just remember that. You know, the they remember a tryer. <laughs> the replay would be of that putt. They would be like, "You remember the 2018 mini putt championships and some mini golf championships?" And someone say, "I remember that one putt in the playoff." That's it. <laughs> I think you're going to say, I remember Frank demolishing the field. Who won? Maybe like some, some King Kong wannabe. Glad <laughs> <laughs> <Love> that stuck. <laughs> All right. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Yeah, I knew that was going to come. I knew that was the only thing that probably held that up was you trying to figure out exactly what the quote was. <laughs> well, you know what makes it difficult is I've never seen Training Day. Wow, that... That's probably the only reason. That's the real insight into how your memory and your brain works. Yeah. So you can remember the things from something you've never seen. But if it was just, hey, remember that thing we did yesterday? Nope. I'm like Memento, the movie Memento, but in reverse. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm leaving it there. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's just, uh, uh, you want to take us right. out, Frank? So... <laughs> Yeah, be sure to uh, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, one away from being on Spotify, and you guys can catch up. So if, if you are listening on Spotify, you already know we're on Spotify. Or if you really <laughs> love the podcast, you know, so if you've been really enjoying the first four episodes, and you know it's going to be on episode, episode five, we'll put us on Spotify. At that moment, why not go back, listen to them all again on Spotify? Maybe we've buried a few Easter eggs in the Spotify version, so... There'll be one or two differences. Who knows? Maybe the ad reads are going to be slightly different. So just listen to them all again. Yeah. Or we've Don't just got something. We got something subliminal just in the background of our podcast. Oh yeah, like if you, it, it's true. If you play this podcast backwards, it will encourage you to murder your parents. <laughs> Great. Great. Don't forget okay, to fantastic. subscribe, to rate, follow us Good. on Instagram. Eddie, what's our uh, handle on Instagram? And then. Uh, Twitter? Uh, I just think it's the Big Chill Podcast, I believe. Great. On both. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see how those bets turn out and uh, talk to you boys later. Yeah. Cheerio.